So yesterday we had uh, Daniel and Ruth's wedding. So Daniel Baker got wed, ma married to Ruth Jennings. He's now Ruth Baker down in Adair Methodist. It was a great day. Uh, some of our new friends that we were sitting at the table, uh, I'll just wave to them and they'll wave back to me. Um, it's, it was a great day. Um, I meant to have some pictures up here. We'll try and get them for next week. Um, and uh, we'll get them off the phones and stuff like that. I'd also, can I ask you to pray for... Um, the speaker of the weekend away, uh, Johnny. So we were camping with Johnny, or I was camping, started this week, or was it last week? It started this week. But uh, one of the young people in their church died uh, this week, um, Alex. And would you pray for Johnny as he deals with that situation, for um, Alex's parents, uh, Big Paul, he's a big, lovely, burly Englishman, and um, his wife, Patience, and their family. And if you could pray. And also, uh, it is great that the weekend away is happening. And just thanks to Marie for all the hard work that she's putting it in. She's, she's shown uh, an amazing gift and lots of patience and June and everybody else uh, for that. And can't you imagine what it was like for those Korean kids with John? You know, we can, we're blessed with you. Oh, I'd say terrible. Yeah, they're still recovering. Um, but, you know, because John is so good at that sort of stuff, and you can just imagine what it was like for them and the blessing, and it's great to, to uh, have John and family back. Um, you know, this time of year when we get to the end of the summer, there's a, a frustration and a sadness that the summer's over, but there is also uh, just a joy to have everyone back, and in the next couple of weeks, um, we're going to be doing that. Before I look at God's Word, why don't we pray? Father, we do pray for Alex's family, Patience and Paul. We pray for Johnny as he deals with that situation. And that you would give him words of comfort. We thank you for the fact that Daniel and Ruth got married yesterday. The celebration that is. We thank you for John and Joy in South Korea and the ministry that they have there, and how you are blessing that. And we pray now that as we study your word, you would give us joy. Amen. So I have a slide on the screen. I should explain that what we're doing over the summer is we're sort of having a thematic series. So we've been looking at themes around the idea of joy, true joy. So we've looked at thankfulness, praise, and today we're looking at belonging, because belonging is a thing that we need in order to feel joy. Next week, we'll be beginning again back in Mark's gospel. We've been working our way through Mark's gospel, but over the summer, we're having a sort of a topical series on the theme of joy. Now, you won't be surprised to know that that is a picture of Munster, uh, not the team, but the supporters. Now, <clears throat> I looked up. Um, I looked up Munster's Heineken Cup win 2008. You see, I was there. There were lots of Munster people there. Um, there was probably more than 60. The stadium in Cardiff took 80,000 people, and I would say 65 to 70,000 of them were Munster people. We flew from Belfast, myself, my dad, a couple of friends. They were honorary Munster men from the day. They were really Ulster supporters, but we'll forgive them for that. 
And as we flew across to that match, I read the following in the Irish Times. This is what it said. Maybe in years to come, the sociologists will decide that the Munster phenomenon was down to people needing to identify with a big-hearted, inclusive movement at a time when there was a dearth of such churches. I was really struck by that. At a time that there was a dearth of, he used that word, churches. That, 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 that people are longing to belong. And they long to belong to this big-hearted, inclusive movement. And we live in a world of loneliness. Over the summer, I was thinking about this. And do you know that in Ireland, we have the highest rate of loneliness in the European Union? I was talking to my friend Brenda, who's a psychologist. And she was saying that chronic loneliness is as bad for your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. That it causes depression, heart trouble. 15 cigarettes a day is the effect of loneliness. We live in a world of isolation. And when they come to doing research on what brings lasting joy, they say that a sense of belonging is more significant than your income level, whether you get married or have children, or your perceived security. What you need is a sense of belonging. And one of the things is that when we turn to the Bible, we see that God comes into a broken and isolated world to give us that belonging. And the challenge for us is as a church to be a place where people can truly belong in grace and peace with each other. I love it when the Bible uh, reflects things that society is already telling us, because the Bible is God's Word, and it's true. Sometimes people don't realize uh, how true that truth is and how relevant it is. But, you know, the Bible tells us we live in a broken world. Over the summer, as I was thinking about these themes, I, I asked people, when did you first feel like you didn't belong? And loads of people, I think almost all of us, have had times where we felt like we didn't belong. Even at my school reunion, the tenure one, which was a lot of time ago, I was talking to this girl who I thought was like the in-girl, and and she said she never felt like she fitted in. Then who does? All of us struggle with a sense of belonging. When was the first time you noticed it? For me... It was when I was in primary school, maybe third class. I wasn't sporty. I wasn't bright. I wasn't cool. I was small. Yeah, I could list off all those things. I I told you that when I was doing the sermon on contentment. But I remember looking at, at a bunch of the guys, the lads. I didn't feel like I fitted in. It was the first time I struggled with that sense of not belonging. And we've all had it. And it goes back to the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 2, the first couple, Adam and Eve, they belong to God and they belong to each other. And there is that union and joy and place. 
And then in chapter 3, what happens is the serpent, the devil, comes along, and he starts to get them to doubt God's goodness. And never think of Genesis chapter 3 as some sort of random breaking of the rule. It was a deep, deep heart issue. The temptation regarding the knowledge and good and evil, that fruit, was about throwing off God's authority. And so what happens is the serpent whispers in their ear, you'll be like him. In other words, don't belong to him. Don't live underneath him. Rival him. They had that sense of belonging to God's perfect loving rule, but they weren't content with it. And they threw off their sense of belonging. And immediately you can see the effect in chapter 3. Because what happens? They start to hide from God. That sense of belonging is broken. They start to blame shift with each other. She, he, it. You know, it's not my fault. This is a bit corny, and I probably shouldn't throw it in. And I look down at Caroline at these moments, because sometimes she'll say, don't go there. But uh, when it comes to Genesis, um, what was it? I heard this little thing that said, the man blamed the woman, the woman blamed the serpent, and the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on. (laughs) Bob, you liked that one, didn't you? (laughs) But you see immediately blame shifting, betrayal, belonging is broken. And then what happens in chapter 4? Jealousy and murder, as Cain murders Abel. And that is the root of our lack of belonging in this world. There's a hostility. And one of the things is if you go to Galatians chapter 5, you read about the flesh, the sinful nature, which plagues us all. And the works of the sinful nature include fits of rage, envy, jealousy, discord, and division. In other words, we struggle with something within us that pushes people away from us, and it affects our sense of belonging. And so belonging is rooted in the fall, our lack of belonging. But then there's good news, because Jesus comes and he restores our sense of belonging to God. You know, those amazing words, those those chilling words from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What's happening? Jesus is experiencing what it feels like not to belong to his heavenly Father, whom he has enjoyed belonging for all eternity, and that seems broken for that moment. Why? So that we could be restored to God, so that we could belong to him. And you see it in the way that the Apostle Paul in particular talks about being a Christian. You know, he doesn't use the word Christian. What he talks about is those who are in Christ. We now belong to God. We are in Christ. We belong to Him. We're adopted. We belong to Him. He is our Father, Abba Father, an intimate word. I realize that for some of you, Father can be a loaded word that's not necessarily positive, but God comes as the perfect parent to you, and you belong to Him. But it doesn't stop there. You belong to His people. 
Uh, that mightn't always seem the greatest blessing, but it is. You know, there's a beautiful psalm where it says, Psalm 68, verse 6, where it says, God puts the lonely in families. And that family is ultimately the church. You might not, you know, have a a marriage partner or even a large extended family. In fact, coming to Jesus may even isolate you from your birth family. But God puts the lonely in families. And that means we have a ministry to each other. We're a part of God solving the loneliness problem in each other's lives. You know, they they use the words, you, you remember when Peter, Peter goes and he says to Jesus in Mark's gospel, he says, look at everything I left for you. And what does Jesus say? But look at your brothers and sisters and mothers. So so becoming a Christian may have involved a cost to you, but one of the blessings that God gives you is a new Christian family. I talked to someone one time, and I asked her about her relationship with God. She said, basically, I love God, but I don't love the church. That makes no sense. Because when God calls us and brings us to himself, he puts the lonely in a family. And I said to that person, I said, can I just ask, what do you think the purpose of being a Christian is? Because if it's nothing to do with God's people, then there's something missing. And that person didn't know how to answer that question. Part of our calling as Christians is to love each other, to serve each other, to bear each other's burdens, to meet together, which is so significant, so that we can, according to the book of Hebrews, spur one another on to love and good works. But there is a problem, isn't there? Because the reality is church isn't easy. We're not all easy to get on with. It's a struggle. There was a little poem that goes like this. It goes, To dwell above with saints we love, that will be grace and glory. But to dwell below with saints we know, that's a different story. And in every letter that you read in the New Testament, you see that there are problems. And there are problems because we still struggle with the flesh. We still have a sinful nature. We still sin. John, in his first letter, says, if we claim that we're without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I once met a man who claimed that he had overcome his sinful nature. But if his wife was honest with me, she would have testified that he hadn't. We still struggle with a sinful nature and and we end up hurting each other. 
Every letter in the New Testament has that. Even Philippians, we're looking at Philippians in the Castle Troy small group. I think it's probably the, the most pleasant of all the New Testament letters. It's a, a great church. It's about rejoicing. They're great people. They still have a problem with Euodia and Sanchichi, who I like to call, you are odious and she is touchy. Because they can't get on with each other, even in that great church. So what's the answer? God has placed the lonely in families, but we struggle. We struggle to get on with each other because we still struggle with our sin. And I think the key to this is to note what Paul says in every single one of his letters. And it's always in this order, grace and peace to you. Grace and peace. That is the atmosphere a church has to work in if we're going to belong well with each other and the lonely will find a home. Grace means that God does not treat me as my sins deserve, but according to his loving kindness. That means that when it comes to each other, we don't treat each other the way our sins or their sins deserve because we have received grace and we have to extend grace to other people. And peace, that's the aim of grace. And I, was, I, was, I thought about Jesus' words, blessed are the peacemakers. You know there's a difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. A peacekeeper goes into a situation and will never address an issue. You just keep everything calm. A peacemaker makes active steps to bring people together. And I was thinking about this this morning as I was getting changed, and I thought to myself, when is the initiative to be mine or yours when it comes to peacemaking? And the answer is, it's always your initiative. It's always my initiative. One of the things that surprises me looking at Jesus' teaching is he says, if someone has something against you, go talk to them about it. If you, have something, if you have a problem with someone, go talk to it. It's always your initiative. Of course, we remember that love covers a multitude of sin. So not every issue has to be dealt with, but our heart always has to be dealt with. And if our heart is having a problem, maybe we need to sit down with that person face to face. And then I was thinking about something else that someone told me one time. I was talking about a difficult person in a church, and this was such a great challenge this preacher said to me. He said, if there is a problem with someone in the church, never let them be in any doubt of your love. Isn't that amazing? So there's someone you're struggling with. Never let them be in any doubt of your love for them. And then just before I draw conclusions, I was really struck. You know, it says the flesh, the, the, the ways of the flesh include envy and discourse and division. In Galatians 5, then he says, don't walk in the flesh, walk in the Holy Spirit." And the, the gift of the Spirit, which we've all received, is love, gentleness, and self-control, among other things. Love, gentleness, self-control. What happens if you stay in neutral? Because the walking is, is an active word, isn't it? What happens if you stay in neutral? 
But if you don't wrestle with your heart, neutral is to go backwards. Neutral is the flesh. Neutral will cause you to feel jealousy and spite and bitterness. And so the answer is to walk. That means there's effort involved. And it begins with us examining our heart and praying for our heart. And then seeking to treat people with grace, not as they deserve, but according to God's kindness. And seeking to be at peace, not leaving them in such a place where we try to live, not thinking about them. So let's finish. Back to Munster. Wasn't that an amazing statement? Like, I just think it's, you know, at a time where there was a dearth of such churches. So people are looking to belong. And ultimately what we say to them is that you can belong to Jesus. The God who you have pushed aside and wanted nothing to do with, whose gospel hasn't appealed to you, is holding his hands out to you and saying, don't live for everything else. You can belong to me and my love. I was thinking about that, um, Matthew, at the wedding yesterday. You know, there was quite a number of Christians there. And um, I was thinking of those who, who aren't yet Christians and I wanted those who weren't yet Christians, as they saw how we got on with each other, how we enjoyed, to see that they're missing something. Because, you know, the world thinks they pity us. It's, it's so strange, isn't it? It's such a lie of the devil. And we belong to Jesus in his wonderful love. And we belong to each other. And God has given you and me as a gift to each other. But it's going to take work. And, and that work, as we walk in the Spirit, in many times in history has, has really shown itself. And I read this from a, a sociologist. This, this, I read this in a book. It was a quote. And this guy, Rodney Stark, says this. Christianity grew in the Roman Empire because the Christian congregations were the only places where different cultures, races, and classes could live together. That didn't come easy. You have to walk in the Spirit. You have to think the atmosphere of grace. You have to pursue peace. But then you can bless all these people around you and no blessing yourself as the God to whom you belong blesses you with his people. Amen.